Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 306. Okay. <laughs> sorry, 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 sorry. Okay, let me get, let me get myself. You good? You good? I'm good. You sure? I'm sure. Okay. You're going to keep that on, aren't you? No, 100%. Damn it. Sorry. <laughs> I'm keeping that too. <laughs> Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 306 of the Professional Book Nerds podcast, presented by Overdrive. Uh, there is no Jill today. She is still in Seattle enjoying some R&R after a very busy American Library Association uh, midwinter session, I think they call it now. Yeah, Even, midwinter, yeah. Yeah, but I think they used to call it a conference, now they call it a session. I don't know. I saw somebody write something, and I was like, well, that's not right. I got all smarmy, and then I went on the website. I was like, oh, you changed it? Um, anyway, so if you have listened to any amount of time to our podcast, you'll know that that's Christina who's with us. Hello, Hello. Christina. Hello. Hi. There it is. I'm back. You're back. Um, so Christina is going to assist me today. I'm going to do two things. The first thing I'm going to do is go through all of the biggest books coming out in February. Jill sent me her list and then I made my list. So I'm going to go through all those somewhat quickly and Christina, you can just be peanut gallery. I'm ready. You can do the Statler and Waldorf here if you want. <laughs> Maybe don't trash the books. They actually I won't. Really I won't. Good. I can't trash anything I've not read. Yeah, exactly. That's totally fair. I mean, these all do sound really good. So we're going to go through those, and then we're going to go through some ensemble cast books, right? Yes. I was inspired by the SAG Awards. <laughs> Bring this a little bit closer to your face. Sorry. So, you know, it's award season right now, so there's all kinds of buzz around movies, and I saw it, it had to have been the SAG Awards or one of the award shows and they talked about best ensemble cast and you know um, Black Panther mm-hmm. I think picked that up and I was like you know I love books that have a revolving door of characters like you know you get multiple points of view and I just feel like we haven't talked about that and it should be celebrated and I have I was able to come up with a pretty good list I am totally on board and I'm excited to hear your list so um, first we'll dive through the February books and like I always tell people I'll have all these books in our show notes and if you go to our website um, we have our monthly reading list there under the about us page so you don't have to furiously write any of these down um, and I'm sure overdrives social stuff we'll all put this all out there as well and then we'll dive into the books that Christina mentions and I'll put those in the show notes too so uh, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at probooknerds you can email us at professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com or you can go to our website, professionalbooknerds.com. Very consistent. <laughs> um, okay. Subscribe below. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Click that button to subscribe. <laughs> Do you like the whole, like, the YouTube thing where they, like, make the sound like, and then, like, they put their hand up and, like, yeah. it's up there. Did you see that funny meme that was, like, the kid that was being put to bed and he was, like, saying goodbye to everyone? The mom was, like, say goodbye. And he was, like, subscribe below because yeah. he honestly thought that that's how people said goodbye. And I laughed for a year. That makes me so happy. Um, just a heads up, everyone. This is probably going to be a long episode because Christina and I are long-winded and it's two of us. Yeah, I don't know how to stop talking. It's You're cool. also looking at me through your the pop filter and it's adorable. I, can just... I know. I don't know what my... I don't know if you've ever looked at our team page. Not that anyone here would do this, but I whenever there's a prop, 
I do this thing where I hide behind it. So there's like several <laughs> pictures of me just like half in a photo because I'm hiding behind like a pole or a piece of paper or a body. It's uh, it's a weird thing I do. You're I right. I, you, you're right. You do do that. I don't know why. Okay. All right. First one is called Black Leopard, Red Red Wolf by Marlon James. This is getting so much buzz. It's been getting a buzz for like the last year. It is being described as an African Game of Thrones. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of reductive to say that, but that's exactly how he describes it as well. So it's the first novel in a trilogy called the Dark Star Trilogy. It's myth, it's fantasy, it's history. Um, but yeah, Jill and I have just been describing it to people as african game of thrones so is it adult or young adult it is adult it's, i was wondering because it's a game of thrones and you know the slaughter but yeah there's yeah it's it's adult um speaking of game of thrones alex and i started our rewatch that you and your husband and i and we're all supposed to do together but i understand there's I understand. six seasons and your husband's in his busy season right now i know i'm trying to watch the punisher with him and i have to wait till he gets home yeah that just sounds hard but anyway please respect my privacy during these times because i will be getting upset <laughs> As the second episode of Game of This is what's going to happen. This, I mean, it, the second ep- I knew that in the first season. Oh my gosh, season, you took your glasses off. This is going to be serious. I know. So, spoilers for the first season of Game of Thrones, but if you haven't caught up on that yet, this is not my problem. Didn't the first book come out in like the 90s? Come yeah. on, people. This is fair. So, I remembered that early on in the first season, like all the dire wolves that the Stark family gets, that they, you know, not great stuff happens to the dire wolves. I didn't realize it's literally the second episode, Lady die it gets murdered and Lymeria has to be like sent off into the woods second episode Things and i felt happen. like it's just I, so much has happened in that series and that se- like i i've only seen the tv shows i've not read the books i did try to read the first book there's nothing wrong with it i'm actually going to talk about it because speaking of ensemble casts mm-hmm. game of thrones is one of the biggest one that comes up for like best cast of characters there's so many people yeah i just george R. R. martin like good for you man like you must just like you must just have like you must have a stellar memory you must remember like nuanced crap about people because keeping track of everyone in that series is just like you mentioning nymeria i was like oh yeah that was a that was a, a I, dog in the book i, I love yeah. dogs and yeah. i you would think i would be able to anyway sorry we're getting you know keep going we've gotten one book done <laughs> gotten through one book um okay the next one is called finding dorothy by elizabeth letts uh, this richly imagined novel tells the story behind The Wonderful Wizard of Oz, the book that inspired the iconic film, through the eyes of author L. Frank Baum's intrepid wife, Maud. Uh, so it's in Hollywood. It's 1938. Uh, Maud learns that MGM is adapting her late husband's masterpiece for the screen, and 77-year-old Maud goes to the set to try to finagle her way like on there, and basically it's just like her view it's historical fiction of her being on set and trying to make sure that everything is done the right way so uh it's called finding dorothy elizabeth letts my wife alex is a huge wizard of oz fan so i couldn't not put that one on there that sounds amazing yeah it's i'm really interested in that one uh the next one then i can talk about it for more than like two seconds because i don't think we need to she doesn't need our 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 publicity but angie thomas her follow-up to The Hate You Give on The Come Up is is coming out this month, so it's going to be amazing. She's an amazing writer. She's amazing to follow on Twitter. She's an amazing follow on Twitter. Yes, yeah, she she's is. she's hilarious. She's insightful. Obviously, everything she has in her books, I just, I'm so happy for her success. Yeah, so it's called On The Come Up, and it's uh, the follow-up novel to The Hate You Give, which I'm almost positive is still number one on the New York Times bestseller so. list. Is it a follow-up in that it's in the same universe, or is it a different story? 
I believe it is a different story entirely, it looks like. Okay. Um, I haven't really looked up much about it because I just know I'm going to read it anyway. Right. Although I said she's still number one on the, the New York Times bestsellers list, but Lee Bardugo's new book, King of Scars, came out today on Tuesday when we were recording this, so I'm assuming that will be number one because Lee is also a, a queen. We're going to be talking about Lee a little bit later as well. Mm, I bet I know which ones you're going to talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next one I have is called The Familiars by Stacey Halls. Uh, So, in 1612, in Lancaster, England, the hunt for witches is rampant, but in a time of suspicion and accusation, to be a woman is the greatest risk of all. Uh, So, young Fleetwood Shuttleworth, what a name. What a name. Is with child again as the mistress of Gawthorpe Hall. Incredible name. Oh, my God, it gets better. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, she's anxious to provide her husband with an heir, but none of her previous pregnancies have come to term. Then she discovers a hidden letter from her physician that warns her husband that she will not survive another pregnancy. Distraught over the frightening revelation, Fleetwood wanders to the woods of Pendle Hill where she meets a young local woman named Alice Gray. A midwife, Alice promises Fleetwood she can help her deliver a healthy baby, but soon Alice is drawn into a frenzied accusations of witchcraft sweeping the country. Even the woodland creatures, the familiars, are suspected of practicing the dark arts. Can Fleetwood trust Alice and... uh, Can Fleetwood trust that Alice really is who she says she is as the two women's lives become intertwined Fleetwood must risk everything to prove Alice's innocence in order to save her own unborn child you had me at witches I'm very into witches right now I everyone is very into witches well I, I know I'm just very on trend you know yeah, I sure. I've loved witches since practical magic okay Willow from Buffy like mm-hmm. always just felt we we almost did a Buffy episode today. I know we still can't like you know we'll come we'll come back to it we'll come back to it i wanted to do a whole thing about books inspired by buffy because it's a whole thing but well and kirsten white's slayer slayers but i want to read it first right and then come back also on the new york times bestsellers list i think right now Um, my next one is the raven tower by previous guest of a couple times Anne lecky who is amazing uh god's metal in the fates of men men play with the fates of gods and a pretender must cast down from the throne in this Breathtaking first fantasy novel from Anne Leckie. Uh, so Anne Leckie was the best-selling author and winner of the Hugo, Nebula, and Arthur C. Clarke Awards. Those are the three major sci-fi awards. She won all of them at the same time, first person to ever do that. So this is her first fantasy novel, which I'm really excited about. Her sci-fi stuff is very like high science fiction. It's really, really good, but it's I wouldn't say that it's like entry-level science fiction. It's some of those books where... It might seem a little like uh, Quentin at our office yeah. would, would love it because he's a huge science fiction person. So you need a little bit of science fictiony background to understand to kind of follow along. But this one, diving into fantasy, I'm a giant fantasy nerd. So yeah, it's the Raven Tower by Anne Leckie. Uh, the next one, again, not going to spend a lot of time on this, but the first official Stranger Things novel is coming out called Suspicious Minds by Gwenda Bond. <gasps> yeah, I didn't know this was a thing. Uh huh. I'm so excited. Yeah, so everyone, us included, who are waiting for Stranger Things or season three to come out, this is a good way to tide us over. Uh, Alex and I <coughs> have taken off the we the last the first two seasons we took off like the day it came out on Netflix and like that's all we do. Netflix has ruined me for regular TV. I'm I know. Like, what is this commercial? What does it mean? I have to wait for another episode. I yeah. just I can't do it. I know. So it's described. So the description: uh, a mysterious lab. A sinister scientist, a secret history. If you think you know the truth behind Eleven's mother, prepare yourself to have your mind turned it's a upside down. Oh yeah. my god. It's a prequel. I wouldn't be the person that writes blurbs about books. 
I know, yeah. This one, seriously, if you think you know the truth about Eleven's mother, prepare to have your mind turned upside down. I hope that person typed it and then was just like, yes. Yeah, just like threw My off their sunglasses. My work here is done. Yeah. I'm done. Went to lunch. Um, <laughs> so it's called Suspicious Minds by Gwenda Bond. I'm loving the universe things that are happening. You know, Buffy's got her own thing now. Like, mm-hmm. people are dipping into known, you know, celebrated lore. I, I mean, that's the way to do it. Yeah, it's really, really good stuff. Uh, the next one is The Care and Feeding of Ravenously Hungry Girls by Anissa Gray. Great name. Uh, the Butler family has had their share of trials as sisters Althea, Viola, Viola. I think you add however you want. Okay. The sisters Althea, Viola, and Lillian can attest, but nothing prepared them for the literal trial that will upend their lives. Althea, the eldest sister and substitute matriarch, is a force we reckon with. And her younger sisters have alternatively appreciated and chafed, God, struggling, chafed at her strong will. <laughs> they are stunned as the rest of the small community when she and her husband Proctor are arrested. And in a heartbeat, the family goes from one of the most respected to one in utter disgrace. The worst part is that not even her sisters are remotely sure what happened. As Althea awaits her fate, Lillian and Viola must come together in the house they grew up in to care for their sister's teenage daughter. What unfolds is a stunning portrait of heart and core uh, and the core of an American family. So that is The Care and Feeding of Ravenously Hungry Girls by Anissa Gray. A lot of these that Jill sent to me, they sound really good, but I will obviously some of them I didn't read all of the description ahead of time. I blew it. <laughs> no, you didn't. <laughs> um, the next one is called The Priory of the Orange Tree by Samantha Shannon. All of these Shannon. titles. I'm just... Uh-huh. On title alone. Sometimes I pick books based on title. And like yeah. all of these, I'd be like, yep, done. Sign me up. Yeah. So The Priory of the Orange Tree by Samantha Shannon. Speaking of things that just seem amazing, the cover it has this giant dragon on it. Um, it's you, oh, You've seen the cover at my desk. It. Yeah, it's big. It's, it's a big one. Yeah, it's a 900-page book. It's fantasy. Um, I'm not going to get into too much of it because she's coming on the podcast in a couple weeks, which means I have to read her 900-page book in a couple weeks, so I make sure that I can speak uh, confidently about her book. Can you grab that for me? And I was like, sure, let me just put it in my bag (laughs) for you, not expecting it was going to be this, like, four-pound book. I know. I'm actually going to give her a hard time and be like, you know, I could have just made this a whole trilogy. Like, (laughs) this is just – you've written your three books here. And Uh, that's why e-books are great because – Logging around a four-pound book is difficult. Yeah, it takes up so much room on my <laughs> bookshelf. Uh, so Samantha, she's the internationally best-selling author of *The Bone Season*, which she wrote like in college. She's oh very, uh, she's one of those like frustratingly awesome people who's very young. Uh, so this is a world divided, a queendom without an heir, an ancient enemy awakens. The house of Bear, I want to say Barentnet, has ruled for a thousand years, still unwed. The queen. Uh, Sabrin the Ninth must conceive a daughter to protect her realm from destruction, but her assassins are getting close to her door. Uh, there's just so much in the description and in the book, and Samantha's been tweeting out pictures of like the maps and stuff, and it looks amazing. So, Priory of the Orange Tree, I'm not going to go into it more right now, because again, we're going to have like a whole episode with her. I'm excited. That yeah. sounds really good. Hair, I love that it's like a female hair has to be produced. It's like, yes. Yeah. Perfect. I agree. Matriarchy. Yeah. Uh, this next one is Early Riser by Jasper. Jasper, and I want to say Fjord, but it's F-F-O-R-D-E. So it might be Ford with two Fs. Regardless, Jasper had nothing to do with the last name, but it's wonderful. I love it. So this is a new standalone from best the best-selling author of Every Winter. Um, so, sorry. The new standalone novel from best-selling author Jasper... Fjord, every winter, the human population hibernates. 
during those bitterly cold we should do that anyway we should be doing that right now it's bitterly cold right now uh during those bitterly cold four months the nation is a snow draped landscape of desolate loneliness devoid of human activity this actually might be non-fiction oh, it's about cleveland because yeah. i mean that's what's going on right now yeah when you're listening to this we'll have uh wind chills in like the negative yeah 30s. it's gonna be one on wednesday yeah that's singular one 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 degree maybe <laughs> maybe less um so this book is all about uh charlie worthing and you are charlie and it's your first season with the winter consoles the committed but mildly unhinged group of misfits who are responsible for ensuring the hibernatory safe passage of the sleeping masses you're investigating an outbreak of viral dreams which you dismiss as nonsense nothing more than a quirky artifact born of the sleeping mind when the dreams start to kill people it's unsettling when you get the dreams too it's weird when they come when they start to come true you begin to doubt your sanity so, so much to unpack there i love yeah, it yeah there's a whole bunch and the second person don't see that a lot uh, viral dreams that can kill people, desolate winter. Sign me up, man. And not for nothing, the cover has like a snow globe on it. So well, then that seems very sweet and gentle for this very alarming. Mm-hmm. Um, it dark really story. does. It really the description of the book and the cover are two like wildly and, uh, different things. But I like that. I like that you're like, oh, this seems like such a gentle story, and then it's like, nope, death mm-hmm. by dreams. Yep. The next one is the Night Tiger by Yangzi Cho. Did you see this? Yeah. Yeah, it looks really, really good. Uh, so, quick-witted, ambitious Jilin is struck as an apprentice dressmaker, moonlighting as a dance hall girl to help pay off her mother's mahjong debt. <laughs> but when one of her dad's partners accidentally leaves behind a gruesome souvenir, Jin, uh, Jilin may finally get the adventure she's been longing for. 11-year-old houseboy Ren is also on a mission, fulfill, racing to fulfill his former master's dying wish, that Ren find the man's finger lost years ago in an accident and bury it with his body. Ren has 49 days to do so, or his master's soul will wander the earth forever. As the days tick relentlessly by, a series of unexplained deaths racks the district, along with the whispers of men who can turn into tigers. Jilin and Ren's increasingly dangerous paths crisscross through lush plantations, hospital storage rooms, and ghostly dreamscapes speaking of that would be consideration for an ensemble cast because it's two different perspectives which i think would qualify i think it would but you haven't read it yet so you can't talk about it i can't i don't want to say anything but it sounds really good yeah uh i read a lot of books that are bad i don't really believe in bad literature no if it's bad you stop reading it yeah yeah uh the next one is american spy by lauren wilkinson and i think this is one that jill had like specific notes that she wanted me to say so let me just track it down um it's 1986 it's the heart of the cold war and marie mitchell is an intelligence officer with the fbi she's brilliant but she's also a young black woman working in an old boys club her career is stalled out she's overlooked by for every profile squad and her days are filled with monotonous paperwork so when she's given the opportunity to join a shadowy task force aimed at undermining thomas sankra the charismatic revolutionary president of burkina faso who whose communist ideology has made him a target for an American intervention, she says yes. That's a long sentence. Yes, even though she secretly admires the work that they're doing for his country. Yes, even though she's still grieving the mysterious death of her sister. And yes, even though a furious part of her suspects she's being offered the job because of her appearance and not her talent. So, There's a lot there, too. Yeah, there's a lot in, in a lot of Social commentary. Books. Yeah, that's American Spy. By Lauren Wilkinson. Another very good cover, too. 
Uh, next one I have, I will not talk a lot about, but it's basically a biography of Wild Bill, the true story of America's frontier of American Frontier's first gunfighter, uh, by Tom Clavin. I'm just a giant like westerns nerd, and so so is my dad. My dad loves westerns. Oh, Mike B. He loves them so much. I feel like every time he comes to my house, I gotta watch them. And westerns are bleak. <clears throat> mm-hmm. You know, you don't not a lot of happiness in westerns. Like you'll like somebody and you like them they usually get killed so I'm, I'm i'm seeing an upsurge in slow of westerns i feel like a lot of people miss in the old days yeah cowboys mm-hmm. pew pew those <laughs> are the guns <laughs> the, ne- the next one is the hunting party by lucy foley and i think this is another one that jill has some fun notes for me so uh, please hold okay everyone's invited everyone's a suspect for fans of ruth ware and tana french so like our entire office uh, comes this atmospheric page-turning novel of psychological suspense in the tradition of Agatha Christie. So uh-huh. again, like everyone in here. Um, Jill wanted to let me know that, aka, this is my favorite genre of all time, a close-knit group of suspicious characters locked together and murder. Oh, perfect! Yeah, so The Hunting Party by Lucy Fell. It sounds like it's like seven and a half deaths of Evelyn Hardcastle or again, like all the Agatha Christie Good books. ensemble cast. Ensemble, yeah, exactly. Every time you say that, I think of ensembles from... Uh, from New Girl. This is an early, <laughs> an early on season when Winston is really good at playing the handbells. Am I saying ensemble right? No, you're saying it right. Okay, I just good. always think of... But you know, sometimes you see words and you're like, am I am I even saying this wrong? No, yeah, time? ensemble. Yeah, ensemble. Because I read a lot, but I don't... And I talk a lot, so there's no excuse. Never mind. Continue. No, you're good. I just like saying ensemble. Ensemble. Yeah, it's ensemble. You had it right the first okay, time. Okay, good, good. good. Uh, the next one is The Blood Spell by C.J. Redwine. This is a dark and romantic epic fantasy retelling of Cinderella. In. Yeah, so CJ, Sign me up. CJ Redwine has done this. This is the fourth one of these that she's done. So I saw this cover. It's a white pumpkin with... Oh, like, God. Yeah. In. And like with like snow and, um, and red writing in it. My wife, one of Christina's best friends, Alex... Uh, loves herself a... A retelling. A retelling and, and a dark a retelling she ain't liked. Exactly. And so I showed her this cover and she proceeded to immediately go and our our library had CJ all of CJ's other three books as audiobook. She borrowed them all at the same time and she's like, Well, I'm just gonna this is my next my next week. <laughs> so CJ, you have four books that were borrowed right away by my, my wife. I love a good retelling. Yes, that's the blood spell. And then the last one that I have is called Four Dead Queens by Astrid Schultz. Yes. Yes. All over Twitter. So excited about this. All over Twitter. Not only that, the um, the publisher sent me a note ahead of time that was like, hey, this is right up your alley. And they were right. And so I actually got a couple of copies. And uh, Andrea, who comes on frequently with you, took one of the copies. She liked it. She loved it. She yeah. was like texting me. And I haven't read it yet, but I'm very excited too. It is all over Twitter. Uh, this is a young adult kind of fantasy thriller. Um, and it's basically there's four queens who have died, but I guess you get the story of how they all died and what happened to them and what's going on in this this realm. And it sounds really dark and really good. And, and it comes – Andrea is very uh, – not picky, but, like, she has high standards for YA because she reads She does. So much she reads it. really good. Like, she has – which, you know, there's so many great fantasy – science fiction books out there in the YA space. So mm-hmm. it's hard, you know, you've, you've read one, you've read them all. So I'm, I'm excited about this one because she loved it so much. And she's never let me down in terms of recommendations. Agreed. And I have a copy of it just waiting for me to read it. 
and I'm excited to do that. And the cover of this is also beautiful with all like the crowns. Yeah. Which is queens all up my alley. Love yeah. all of that. Exactly. So that's Four Dead Queens by Astrid, Astrid Schultz or Schulte. I'm not sure. I'll find out. Uh, so that's like 15 to 16 books that we just barreled through. Yeah, you did good. Well, I wouldn't say I did good. I think I fell over a lot of those words. And I'm sure people <laughs> were like, slow down. But now I want to get to your stuff. Oh, okay. Well, I'm ready. Okay, good. So do we? did I take long enough for you? No, it was per- I'm my, I'm ready to dissect what I have available for us today. Okay, so now you're going to get into ensemble casts. Yes. So anyway, to reiterate, ensemble means that it's not – the way I have decided to define this yeah, it's is like it's the podcast. perspective of multi-characters. So – Maybe it's two characters who are telling the same story. Maybe it's two characters who are basically charging towards one another to meet in the middle. So be easy on me. There might be some here where you're scratching your head. but So you're using, like, multiple narrators but also a big cast. Yeah, so, like, like basic examples start at number one, Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the story of Harry Potter is told from Harry Potter's perspective, but it has, a like, a sprawling cast of characters – um, I think J.K. Rowling is one of the best at this. She did what was the series that she did as Robert, uh, Robert Galbraith? Oh, uh, Corman and Strike. Corman. Yeah, she's yeah. something. She does a wonderful job about building out her characters because if you think about it, the way we live life, like obviously it's from our perspective, but we have a revolving cast of characters in our life. So like to tell the same story. So I I I enjoy a book that I I'm one of those people that ends up like standing. A side mm-hmm. character. Like, Professor McGonagall is, like, my favorite character in the Harry Potter world, which is, I mean, it should be everyone's favorite because she's so amazing. But, like, that's what I do. I will, like, latch on. My favorite character is never the main character. It's always, like, Willow and Buffy, yeah. Professor McGonagall, Game of Thrones. I think I was, like, hugely into um, Tyrion forever. Yeah. And I still am. He's still amazing. But anyway, okay, so that's why. Speaking of uh, of McGonagall, so Dame, that's Maggie Smith, right? Yes, Dame Maggie Smith. Dame Maggie Smith. Did you know that there is a... Uh, I just found out about this this morning, but there is apparently a documentary called Tea with the Dames on iTunes and Amazon, and it's Maggie Smith and three other dames from England, including... Um, Helen Mirren? I don't think Helen Mirren's <gasps> in it, but like everyone looked this up. It's called uh, Tea with the Dames, and it's these four wonderful dames from... England when day and a dame is like a, the female version of being knighted for your work yes. in the the arts. They are all friends and have been all their lives. Judy Dench. Yes. Dame oh Judy my god. Dench, one. So they get together. <sighs> I can't handle this. Literally, like the tea, like how you say spill the tea. So they drink tea, but they also just gossip about their past and like romances they've had and all this stuff. I feel like I've dreamed this and it's come true. So, somebody tweeted about this morning that was like, I think I've imagining this but i just saw it on itunes oh and then God, they watch it and it's perfect i'm like shaking with so much i love maggie smith also if you ever are just bored look her up when she was younger she was a dish mm-hmm. maggie i love you a dish. so anyway so now that we've established what an ensemble cast is i'm gonna dive in so um i have a couple to i want to start i've kind of gone across ya and adult because that's just how i read mm-hmm. um the first one i'm gonna start with is american gods by neil gaiman preach honey that is i think one of the best well done i mean and it's i i love when ensemble casts kind of rely on your own knowledge of history so american gods obviously uh takes on the knowledge of mythology and i think you know we get and what's wonderful about american gods is it's old gods like in north missile north missile Ugh. Mythology. Mythology, thank you. Um, so you have, you know, you have the All-Father, mm-hmm. which 
that's not a spoiler, right? You know from the beginning. You know pretty early. Yeah. Also, speaking of spoilers, there's gonna be this, rifle this spoilers. This came out in like nineteen. I yeah. Think, you know, it was like early nineties. So you have the old North mytho- Norse mythology. Now you're in your own. Now you're in your own head. Um, and then the idea is that gods are essentially become gods by our belief in them. Mm-hmm. So there's the new gods, so the god of mythology, or the god of media, the god of um, technology. Yeah. So it's like you become a god by how much faith you put into a thing. And there's like multiple Jesuses in American Gods. It's it's a really fun ensemble cast, and like you get to sort of unpack who each god is. Um, I can't say enough about it. It's really fun. It's also a series on Amazon. Yes. Um, very well done. So... Love that. Great for place to start. And that's what a lot of ensemble casts do. Speaking of gods, um, Rick Reardon does a wonderful job with ensemble casts. Nice. Um, you know, the heroes of Olympus, Percy Jackson. Again, it's relying a little bit on your knowledge of mythology, so you don't have as much backstory into the characters, which I think you need when you're doing ensemble casts. You can't spend too much time. And J.K. Rowling is one of the few who does it really well where she can unpack a character and you're not like, God. Oh my God, I don't remember who is this person. Um, same as George R. R. Martin. If you're going to do a lot of characters in one story, you better give them enough backstory to make them interesting. Otherwise, yeah. you're going to be like, why are there so many people in this book? Mm-hmm. Um, next one. So shout out to um, Jody at Miami University. He made us read this book, White Teeth by Zadie Smith, when oh, I was a college Zadie. student. Uh, Zadie Smith is so wonderful. I had a really hard time reading White Teeth. It was an assigned book for me in college. And I will be honest, a lot of time I was a liter- uh, literature major. I didn't read all the books I had to read. Mm-hmm. I did a lot of, like, you know, reading on the internet. Spark notes. You know, getting as much as I could to write enough about it, but also, you know, raise my hands, participate as much as I could. But, you know, didn't have time. Um, I actually didn't read White Teeth white teeth when I was supposed to but I picked it up later <laughs> and I'm so mad at myself because now like the discussions that we had in class like make so much more sense so white teeth is the story of Archie Jones and Samad Iqbal um, they were friends in World War II and um, it's the story of their families and how they kind of get mixed up together so Archie is on his second marriage to a woman named Clara Bowden um, she is missing teeth um, white teeth where that comes from she's jamaican half his age and basically quite literally gives him a second lease at life they produce their daughter irie she's a knowing child whose personality doesn't quite match her name it's jamaican for no problem apparently she's quite the problem Mm -hmm. so um really good story there's so much in here there's an arranged marriage there's the islamic faith and how it is um basically being trashed at this time in england um and just how they're basically intersecting together and they're two different people who find their friendship um really great story sad has a lot of really great stuff in it can't say enough about it zadie smith is wonderful so well written it's one of those books that still when i put it down i can remember where i was when i finished it because it just was like oh so like heart punchingly good um so i can't say enough really good uh wonderful story uh so that was adults yeah white teeth is so good i know it's that was adult. Well, Rick Gordon's an adult. Rick Gordon's. Oh, yeah, I did YA. I'm just going to go all over the place. Yeah, I, say, I was like, wait a minute. You start with Harry Potter. Sit tight, everyone. Yeah, I'm going to jump good. all over the place. Buckle I have up. no rhyme or reason going on in my brain right now. No, you're good. Uh, the next one is The Raven Boys by Maggie Stiefvater. I always say her name wrong, and I'm not even going to try. I don't even. She wrote. Um, I was super into her. She wrote 
Her first series was, uh, what was that first series about werewolves? Um, I was really into it. Shiver. She was one of the first, like, YA books that I got super into after the Twilight phase. I had Twilight phase. I was very into vampires. And I was like, oh, I'm sick of vampires. Like, what else out there? And then werewolves, obviously, naturally. So she wrote the Shiver series. I loved that. Um, the Raven Boys uh, tells the story of Adam, Ronan, and Noah. So it's these three boys... Um, and it's, they're basically, I believe they turn into ravens. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I just like, I haven't read this in a really long time, but they're told from the different perspectives of the three boys and the three boys all have like something very interesting about them. So Adam is the scholarship student and he kind of resents his privilege. Ronan is the fierce soul who you know, ranges from anger to despair, you know, the sad boy. Mm-hmm. And then Noah um, is kind of like the the sort of like calm watcher of the four. And then there's Gansey, who's kind of like the main character. So four boys, um, shift chain, uh, sh- shapeshifters. Like having... Animorphs. Yes, basically it's like a, you know, a, a YA Animorphs. Mm-hmm. Also, it's Steve Otter. Steve Otter. I looked it up. Steve yeah. Otter. She literally on her, on her website, she's like, it's like the name Steve and that furry little adorable animal. Steve Otter. Steve Otter. Thank Maggie you. Steve Otter. Thank you, Maggie. She does a great job. She's really good at building out character. And um, I don't know. I feel like it's one of those books with like four boys and it's like, it's like the perfect quiz to be like, which Raven boy would be your boyfriend? Yeah. And um, I feel like I would definitely fall for Ronan. Ronan. <laughs> Because um, I like the bad boy. So. Yeah, you do. Your husband is such a bad He's boy. He's such a bad boy. That's Scott. My husband is an accountant. The, Very kind, nice. the kindest man. Kindest. Hey, when he was in college, he was kind of mean. It worked. Yeah, well, he does listen to like thrash metal. Yeah, you know, he's got a secret secret history there. He contains multitudes. Um, Next one. One of Us is Lying by Karen McManus. This one has been on the podcast a couple of times. Andrea's read it. I feel like a couple of the other girls here have. Um, it is The Breakfast Club. Uh, basically meets, like, murder. Um, (laughs) The Breakfast Club meets murder. Um, so, um, I mean, it's definitely inspired by The Breakfast Club, Mm because it's, like, these kids in detention, and you have, you know, the popular person, the bad guy, the smart, like, all fulfilling that, like, Mm -hmm. click character. But what's different about this story that's different from The Breakfast Club is one of them dies, and the whole story is who did it. So it's a whodunit style mystery with the perspective of each character. And of course, once you get the perspective of each character, you learn that you know it's not all rosy from the popular girl's perspective. It's 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 an interesting story. And I did not know who did it. You know, usually when you read a story like that, you're like, ugh. I know. Oh, I thought you meant like after you finished it, and I was like, "Well, that's not a good way." Well, to no, end but this I mean, I really, truly wasn't sure. Yeah, and I feel like I'm such an arrogant person. Sometimes I'll read a book or I'll watch a TV show, and I'll be like, "Figured it out." I know already. who did. That. I know who did it. Oh my god, it's so basic. And no, this one I was surprised, and it's really good. And um, again, Breakfast Club meets murder. I do that all the time when I'm watching shows with Alex because for whatever reason in TV, like, I pick up on cues. When I'm reading a book, I, it usually does surprise me if it's well done. But almost no matter what, when we're watching something, I'll figure it out. And so at the end, she'll be like, whoa, that's crazy. And I'm like, was it? And she's like, shut up. Just don't do that. Don't be, don't be annoying. And I'm like, 
Sorry. I do that with Law and Order, Law and Order SVU all the time. I'm like, it's not him. There, it's this. I know how it works. The first 15 minutes in, they introduce the what you think is going to be the main suspect, mm-hmm. and then it turns out the next 15 minutes that establishes the non-suspect that couldn't be the person that did it. And within the last 15 minutes, That's you find out it was the it. person who did it. Yeah. That's basically like every one of those shows, like dun, dun. Bones and NCIS. Yeah, dun dun. <laughs> All of those. Yeah. My mom loves Bones. Mike and Trace love Trace. It. <sighs> so good. Um, Six of Crows by Lee Bardugo. Yeah. Could not talk about that in terms of an ensemble cast. In fact, when I was doing my research for this podcast um, this morning. Um, <laughs> she, no one saw like the hair flip. I did a hair flip. Um, she came up in every literary search that I did. And of course, without... No need for reason. She is one of the best oh, authors so of our time. I love her. Um, so this is set in a place called Ketterdam, a wonderfully scuzzy, incredibly atmospheric, um, haunting, crime-ridden town. Kaz, a brutal and mysterious gang leader, also sexy. Yeah, he's a real, he's a real um, bae. <laughs> he's offered a chance to do the ultimate heist and has to put together a misfit crew to take the heist down. So it's like, you know, some Ocean's Eleven-inspired mm-hmm. uh, literature here. In Inej, Inej the Wraith, Nina the Grisha, Matthias the Grisha Hunter, and Jasper the Sharpshooter. All of which, just profound characters. Dude. I don't even know who my favorite is. Just probably, probably Nina. But yeah. always because I pick, like, the, like, unsuspecting girl. They're all so odd. No mourners, no funerals. That's that's from her books. Yeah, that's, just... that's their, like, little thing. She, ugh, I love her so much. So excited for King of Scars, which just came out. I, and as I've said on the podcast many times, um, when I got to see her at BookCon and got to introduce her to my wife, Alex, she called my wife Wonder Woman, and Lee Bardugo wrote a Wonder Woman book, and that was like my coolest moment of my life to introduce my wife to an author that she loves and have that author call her Wonder Woman. I was like, well, I've done my <laughs> yeah, I've peaked. good deed. I've done my good deed. And I, I think anything, like a heist is such a really interesting, like obviously you need a cast of characters. Mm-hmm. And like I feel like, you know, I love heist stories yeah well not only that i feel like heists aren't done very often in fan like you don't really usually get a no. fantasy heist it doesn't normally happen like heists tend to be set in real world and it's usually a crime is committed mm-hmm. but and i mean sign me up for that as well and i feel like anytime i read a heist story or i watch a heist movie i always like think how i would handle the position of being in a heist mm-hmm. and as it turns out fantasy literary me is much better because in true fashion anytime i've ever had to keep any sort of secret i like can't like i would like if i robbed a bank i'd be like it was me it was Mm -hmm. me it was me i did it i'm sorry um but so anyway lee's one of those authors like there's like i love YA fantasy so there's like 10 of these authors that i feel like i'll read a a YA fantasy book by like a lesser author lesser known and everything and i'll be like wow that was incredible that might be one of my favorite why fantasy books ever and then i'll read the newest lee bardugo book and i'm like oh no she's on a different plane yeah she, she completely just she's like she it's like the uh, same thing with like um laney taylor when it comes to writing like fairy like her and naomi Novik. like when it comes to writing like fairy tales it's like oh no 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 they're not even writing the same language that i write like it's a completely different they're on another level and lee is just one of those like she has one of those things where immediately from page one you're like this is the best and she just creates the world she creates and that you're that you're in when you're reading her stories it's 
insane to me when writers create whole other spaces that don't even exist and then they have to kind of build a story from there like build a story from the ground up mm-hmm. and some of these ensemble casts that i've talked about they're using history that we know yeah but lee essentially just i mean her brain is just i can't conjured it out of nowhere yep. yeah she's um, a genius i love her uh the lunar chronicles can't not talk about yeah. them Go you know on. how much i feel about um i love Marissa Meyer. She was a Sailor Moon fanfiction writer, and that's how I discovered her. And I remember when she posted on her fanfiction page that she was, you know, taking a hand at fiction and it was going to come out the next year. And I just, I was like, sign me up. And it was as amazing as as, it, as I expected. Um, it's retellings of Cinderella, Little Red Riding Hood, uh, Rapunzel, and Snow White. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's set in a nondescript time, but in the future, um, we've landed on the moon. We live there. People who live on the moon essentially basically inherit these powers, um, which gives them ability to control minds and all this great stuff. And um, it's told from the first perspective, Cinder. She's Cinderella as a cyborg. Yeah. Um, can't say enough. She does such a good job of just, again, setting up worlds. Um earth and the moon in the future you can kind of visualize what it's like because it's relying on where we are now in terms of you know if you told someone in 1955 that our smartphones were going to have maps on them we were going to have a robotic voice that tells us when we have you know a meeting for the day they Mm -hmm. would be their minds would be blown yeah so it's relying on the technology that we have today to set this landscape of the future like it's possible that we're almost there and that's what i love about science fiction today it's like if we can imagine it, it probably could happen. Right. Might, maybe what when I'm still here on Earth. It's, mm-hmm. um, if people follow us on Instagram, they would have seen that actually my last Throwback Thursday post, I used Cinder because I used um, Krista bought, Christina, you. I call you like six different things I and know. it's just a lot. Uh, you bought my wife, Alex, a incredible gold Cinderella carriage, like Bluetooth speaker that is beautiful. And I that was the TB, the TBT post, so. And it, I saw that and like bought it for six months before her. You really did. I was really excited. So about early. It. Um, but like I said, she's wonderful. I know she's had a couple series come out since Lunar Chronicles. I think it's called the Renegades. Is Renegades one. series, yeah. Um, another just probably really wonderful ensemble cast. I haven't had a chance to read it. I've been a terrible reader as of late. You know, you I've have read a baby. A, I've read a lot of uh, great books, but they're like eight pages. So, um, <laughs> but I not, I love not them. a lot of ensemble no. uh, cut picture books llama llama very into llama llama these days um and the last one i'm going to end on is actually kind of a i feel like a lot of people have read this book and you read it when you're young the westing game Mm -hmm. um one of the first books i've ever read that had an ensemble cast and kind of a whodunit style mystery um i remember reading that in the eighth grade i don't do you remember the westing game vaguely it's one of the first books um that has kind of like the whodunit style ending where you're like oh my god i didn't see that coming and i remember like eighth grade me was like Mine Mind was blown. blown. Yeah. And I was super into books when I was that young if, and still today. And I remember, like, people talking about it in class the next day after mm-hmm. we had finished it because it was an assigned book. And, like, no one being as excited as I was about, you know, this <laughs> ending. And it was – it blew my mind. Like, I had not read a book where something at the end happens and it's like you didn't see it coming. And um, it's one of the first really great ensemble casts. And I feel like it's great for all ages. I mean, again, it's a great middle mm-hmm. to YA book, but – with a strong female character that can say enough. I feel like the Outsiders could be an ensemble cast. There's a bunch of them. Oh, yeah, there's a bunch of them. Right. Pony Boy, Stay Gold. Mm-hmm. What Stay are Gold their names? Pony Boy. Pony Boy. I read them so long ago, I don't remember their names. I'm not going to try and... Rob Lowe. <laughs> yeah, I just Rob remember Lowe. he was in the movie. Yeah, right, yeah. 
Let's see, there was uh, there was Pony Rob Boy, Lowe. Rob Lowe, Patrick Swayze, yeah. Tom Cruise before he got his teeth fixed. Yeah, you know, like all those. I, I oh, think Kevin Bacon, maybe. Yeah, just anyone who was. Yeah, you know, you know like all those characters in the book. The Karate Kid. <laughs> you know those guys. Yeah, like best uh, ensemble cast. Jack Black from Neverending Story Part Three. <laughs> Yeah, so in the Neverending Story, which is not really an ensemble cast, I wouldn't say, um, but there's a third movie, uh, and the bad guy's name, or the bad guy is Jack Black, and the main character in Neverending Story's name is Balthazar, and Jack Black's super nerdy, like, he's the villain in the sense that he's, like, a just a bad teenager, and he steals the Neverending Story book, and finds out that it's magical. And there's this line that I always say to my brother, and it's never not funny. And he goes, looks like I control the story now, Balthazar. <laughs> and he just says it. Wait, it's, is this real? This is real. Jack Black is the bad guy. Is this like an old film? Never Ending Story? No, Never Ending Story 3. When yeah, did this come really out? old. Like in the, I don't know, like the late Oh my God, I, I didn't know this. this oh is... yeah, and it ends in a, a very 80s, early 90s freeze frame high five. Oh my God. It's so good and so bad. Yeah. How did I not know about Jack this? Black was also in Dead Man Walking. He was like a background character in that too. I know a lot about Jack Black. Jack Black is an amazing actor. Mm-hmm. And he was just in House the Clocks and the Walls or whatever it's called, which is yeah. a book. I heard it, I heard the some people weren't really happy with his portrayal. I haven't seen it. I feel like Jack Black is always Jack Black in any film. He's like Will Ferrell. There's like, nothing that you could say about Jack Black that I wouldn't be surprised. Like you can't surprise me about Jack Black. No. He you could be anything he does. I'd be like, yeah, no, that's very Jack Black. Yeah, that, check, that checks out. Um, but no, I have to watch that. I didn't know. I would say you don't have to. It's very bad. No, the Neverending Story is a good ensemble. There's a lot of people in there. There's a lot of people. That's more like a journey. Atreyu, Falcor, yeah, Um, the horse, (laughs) Moonshot. I think Artax. Artax. Oh, Artax. Yeah. Um, Spoiler. Moonchild, which is the name of the princess. Yeah. But you can't hear the name in the movie. Uh, Um, we said Falcor. There's a lot. Atreyu. What's the boy's name? Balthazar? Is that his Balthazar name? Balthazar is his name. And he's just like the regular kid that gets sucked into the story, right? Which mm-hmm. is just unheard of that your name is Balthazar. Like, you have to get sucked into a fantasy story if your name's that. There's a part in the movie when he is like halfway through the book and he takes a bite of his peanut butter jelly sandwich and he looks at it so longingly and he's like, no, not yet. And puts it back in the bag to eat later. And it's so like... The kid overacts it so hard. It makes me so happy. He's just like, hmm, not not all of it. I want to go back and just revisit the 80s. The Goonies, man. That's an ensemble cast right there. It is. I don't love the Goonies. This is a big point of contention between Alex and I. I know. I'm sorry. I don't love it. I can respect why other people like it. I just don't really care for it. That's fine. I just. I also don't like, you mentioned The Breakfast Club earlier. I don't really love like that or Pretty in Pink or like I'm not a huge fan of any of those movies. Well, I mean, you're not really the target audience. No. who um, John Hughes, right? Yeah. So John Hughes wrote a ton of great stuff that I love. Like he did um, Home Alone and a bunch yeah. of stuff that I love. But I just don't care for like the Rat Pack movies. I love them. Or Rat Pack, rather. And it's a big point of contention between Alex and I. <laughs> I love them, but I mean, I, I should. Yeah. Pretty in pink, you know. Although I think she should have ended up with Ducky, just saying. Okay, well. I'm I'm done. I have no more books. If you want to just keep spitballing about it, I was gonna say Breakfast Breakfast Club's an ensemble cast, like you mentioned earlier. Yeah. Um, Molly Ringwald is Rob Lowe in that? Is Rob Lowe just in everything? I don't. Yeah, sure. No, he's not. Rob Lowe's not in that. Parks and Rec. That's an ensemble (laughs) (laughs) with Rob Lowe. Rob Lowe. Let's just like talk about all the movies and shows Rob Lowe's made better. Yeah. Um, No, I think we're probably good here. Yeah. Yeah. You know. 
Okay, well, those were all of the February's biggest new releases that I kind of plowed through, and then a bunch of ensemble cast books as well. So thank you for filling in for me. I was very excited to get to talk to you. You're welcome. And then we... Then I realized I had to do the February books, too. So I had to, like, bother Jill while she was in Seattle. I was like, I need your books. So, okay. Anything else you think people should know about, Christina? Um, stay warm. Stay warm. Bring your dogs um, inside. Oh, we're working on a, a fun um, – we worked on this fun marketing kit. I'm in marketing here, and it was about text between YA couples. <laughs> they are really fun. I'm pretty excited about that. And so now – in my mind, whenever I look at characters or um, see them on TV or read new books, I pretend like what their text messages would be between them. So it's a yeah. fun game if you're ever bored. It was the two of us that were doing, we were changing our each other's names on our phones to do this. And then we had a panic attack. We're like, make sure you change the name back so I didn't have to like look up like <laughs> Augustus to find you. Augustus Waters. Okay, okay. So yeah, that was a fun game if you're ever bored. Yeah, text so messages between literary characters is never, you know. That honestly feels like we should make that into a Twitter account. Yeah. TM, t- copywriting, it's, it's ours. It's ours, a text between YA characters. <laughs> We're calling dibs. That has to exist somewhere. It probably already does. All right, well, thanks, everybody, for, for joining. Christina, thank you, you as welcome. always. You're the best. And I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the Professional Book Nerds Podcast. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com, and our library friends can add these titles to their collections and marketplace. Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks, you're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen.